0: Today's guest
1: is El Hueso, here to help us understand what narcomantas are and their role in the narco conflict.
0: So, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah. First of all, thank you very much for
1: having me on the podcast. I, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about talk about this important topic. Um, so, I, I'm El Huaso. Uh, I'm a I'm a drug war journalist and sort of organized crime watcher. Uh, I'm very interested in organized crime in Latin America, and specifically in Mexico. And within Mexico, I'm very interested in methods of communication between criminal groups, the government and the public. And then also, I guess some side interests are, you know, drug use trends, and the, the fragmentation of of groups.
0: So what your focus are in Montes? what are they actually? Sure. Yeah, so Narco manta. So,
1: narco messages really are kind of like the the umbrella term, and they kind of include all sorts of physical messaging left by criminal groups. They're used to communicate with rivals, with the government, ah, uh, with the public, really with you know security forces, just about anything, anyone. You know, with under the banner of of narco messages, there's a couple different types. So, the most common is uh, probably just a narco cartulina This is just a normal, just a cardboard. Ah, uh, you know, piece of or piece of paper with uh, you know a message scrawled on it, might be left at a crime scene often next to a body. Um then there's narcomantas, which is sometimes used interchangeably with narco messages, but really means uh, really uses these to refer to large banners, usually referring to like large plastic sheets often hung on the side of bridges or on the side of buildings. Um, and there's a couple other, you know, smaller, uh, you know, more niche, niche terms, but that's kind of, those are kind of the ones you're really going to encounter most of the time. But all these kinds of narco messaging that, you know, they fall under the the realm of narco communication. And there's, there's a lot of different methods of these. So there's the physical ones that we just talked about. And there's also like narco comunicados, which are filmed videos, often in, in the style of, uh, you know, executions or interrogations, body messaging, which is, you know, leaving a body, for example, like with a finger cut off to, to symbolize that this person was a puntero or, um, or someone who, someone who like would point the finger at someone else like a snitch and you know there's there's a lot of different types of messaging but uh, i guess today we're going to talk primarily about the uh, narco messages
0: so while you did touch on the topic of different narcomantas we have also seen professional looking banners used as narcomontas do we know where they're being produced
1: so this is the the short answer is not really there's not a whole lot of investigation or information about like the the behind the scenes of what what you know what goes into making and producing and you know disseminating a narco narco message. But you know really if if we're thinking about criminal groups, you know these people who can you know set up drug labs, very sophisticated you know pill shops, you know, they can you know build their own weaponry. It's really not outside of the you know the realm of reason to assume that they have access to you know to plastic printing machines. Um, I've heard some people kind of speculate and theorize that, you know, these plastic sheet narco banners, which are professionally printed, they're a sign that the government's behind it. But I, I really, I don't, I don't think that really makes much sense. I think the barriers for making these are much lower than we really think, you know, whether it's going to a, a printing shop and extorting the owner, threatening them with violence and, in order to, you know, force them to print your message or simply buying one of these machines online. Uh, you know, I really don't, I, I don't think it's, uh, it'd be that difficult to create one. But it does indicate um, a higher level of, of sophistication. You know, as you say, you know, if you're just writing a quick message on a, on a, on a paper and throwing it next to a body, that really doesn't take much time. And it doesn't really tell you much about coordination um, or how much planning went into it. But it takes significantly more planning to, uh, you know, to print a narco banner, you know, professionally printed one that, that takes a template. It takes, you know, a lot of pl- uh, time planning. There's significantly more people involved along the, the chain of production.
0: So while typically, the purpose of narcomantas are to send messages to individuals or threats. We also can learn from these narcomantas. What are the different iconography or information we can receive from them?
1: Sure. Yeah. So there's that. That's a good question. There's there's a lot of different directions to take it. So I guess first we could go about about the uh, talking about the the purpose of narco messages, and there there really can be a lot. You know, the most common I would say is just simply just threatening someone. You know, a lot of these messages they're they're threatening rivals for for moving into their territory, threatening people for doing a specific action, which they kind of decide is, is you know, not allowed in their region of control, you know, threatening the government for for impeding with their, their criminal enterprise. So I'd say threats are really the most common, but there's a lot of other different reasons that criminal groups might, you know, might leave a narco message. You know, as we mentioned, uh, as we spoke about before, uh, you know, recruitment is one reason. You know, so these are really rare, but, uh, you know, we have seen messages left by criminal groups, and they essentially are, you know, job advertisements, you know, the kind of thing you would see right outside any legitimate business. And it essentially says, you know, we're hiring in town, text this number, we'll, you know, we'll we'll treat you better than your normal job. These are really rare. And, uh, you know, I think you're a lot more likely to find recruiting through other avenues, you know, especially online or word of mouth, but recruiting is another one. There is, there's a, a lot of messages are used to accuse rivals of something. So, for example, and this year we've seen uh, the CGNG in the state of Guanajuato uh, within the, the turf war context there between the, the Cartel Jalisco Nueva Generacion and the Cartel Santa Rosa Lima. This, the CSRL, they've been attacking a lot of bars recently. Uh, and they feel these bars, or they allege that these bars are affiliated with the CGNG. That the CGNG is allowing the sale of of methamphetamine there. So they've been brutally attacking these bars. There's been a lot of, a lot of, you know, high body counts, a lot of people who, you know, maybe just were there at the wrong time. They weren't really involved in any criminal enterprise. But the CGNG is using, has been using a series of messages. I think they've had maybe like five or six different instances so far where they'll leave really, you know, well professionally designed narco banners around the state. Um, saying, you know, that we, we distance ourselves from this, this horrible attack that the CSRL did. And essentially, the whole point of the message is to kind of paint themselves as the more civil criminal group and really to kind of, you know, point the finger at the rivals and show that they're the ones who are really causing the problems in this plaza. So those are just, you know, three of the most, probably three, you know, most notable ways that, um you know, criminals can use these these narco messages. Uh, but, you know, we've really seen, there were, there were about a thousand, over over a thousand narco messages last year, and they really cover, you know, the, a wide range of different motives. But I, I would say that most of them are certainly, you know, they have um, at their core, they're really, you know, threat messages.
0: Right. Well, you did touch on a little bit on recruiting. Could you go further into that? Because I remember seeing a lot or oh, a good handful of narco specifically attempt to recruit uh, military members.
1: Yeah, there were some really famous ones back in the, um, I guess it was around 2011 I can't remember if it was early early 2010s or late 2000s but yeah they're uh, the, the, the the zetas were a criminal organization that operated in the, in the northeast New Mexico um, they were ex-military ex-military uh, defectors who joined um, the Gulf cartel originally as as a, you know an armed enforcer wing of the Gulf cartel but eventually they split off in the mid- 2000s and formed their own group but they were trying to recruit specifically from security forces so these messages they left, up in um, in towns and cities, up in northeast Mexico, um, they specifically referenced this. So they they knew what it was like being a security force officer. You know they they knew what it was like to be a cop or a, or an army or a, in the military. Um, so they addressed exactly that. They said, you know, if you're if you're in the security forces, uh, they'll give you maruchan. They'll give you like a cup of noodles, you know, for food. But if you're with us, you'll be eating good. You know, you we'll pay we'll pay more. We'll take care of your family. So that, in that that particular campaign, which I think you're that you could even call it, I guess, like an ad campaign that they were running back in in Northeast Mexico. Those were directly focused on recruiting from security forces. And those are pretty crazy messages to see now because you don't really see that very often anymore. Um, it's much more common to see you know recruiting online, but they're pretty pretty incredible, you know, seeing these banners um, hung across bridges and they've got a they've got a number at the bottom, you know, call us if you're serious. Yeah, it's uh, I, I do think that's less common now. I think maybe it's because you know security forces they're they're a little bit better at tracing phone calls. I, I don't think you can hide behind a phone number in the same way that you know you could back then. I think it's gotten a little bit easier.
0: So while narcomandos are mainly used by different groups, like Hades, Cosinaaloa, have any other groups used the similar tactics of narcomantas for recruitment or messaging?
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so um, my I have a, a data set from last year, which is kind of my my project was I focused on collecting narco messages from around Mexico in 2021, and at the end of the year, I had about 1,100 unique narco messages, and in those messages, 249 individual groups were mentioned. So, you know, of course, there's the CGNG and the C- uh, Carte de la Sinaloa, there's like the major groups, but there's also just, uh, you know, dozens and dozens of small splinter organizations, cells that operate underneath um, larger groups. But, you know, there's, um, there's really just an innumerable amount of small little groups who left messages and of course, you know the majority of these messages are left by you know major groups. CGNG in particular puts a lot of effort into messaging. They did something like three times as many as as the Sinaloa cartel, who are usually kind of agreed upon as being kind of equivalent in power and influence. But nonetheless, CGNG put a hell of a lot more effort into into their messaging than they did. But yeah, to answer your question, yeah, these uh, these these messages are left by. You know, hundreds of groups and criminal groups and not only criminal groups. You know, there's also sometimes, you know, sometimes like business owners will use these same sort of messages to communicate and their messages aren't really, you know, they're, they're kind of styled after narco messages, but they're not really threatening in the same way. You know, they might be appealing for something or appealing for help from the government. Um, but, you know, they're still using this kind of this similar, you know, unofficial messaging style.
0: Right. I remember seeing an individual placing a narco mental style banner in front of a municipal palace but instead of carrying a threat, the message was asking for help.
1: Yeah, that that uh, yeah, that happened several times. It it wasn't super common, but there were there were I think if I remember off the top of my head it was it was over a dozen different messages around the country. Essentially, the main purpose of the message was just asking for help from the authorities. A large portion of those were directed at Mexico's president Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador. Um, you know, they were asking. Oftentimes, it was you know, auto defensa groups or groups posing as auto defensa groups, and they would petition for help from the federal government, saying that you know we're you know, we're getting overrun here. We're trying to protect our, our neighborhoods, our people. And, and, you know, they're just asking for, for government help. And it, it's very interesting because they feel that this is like the only way that they can communicate with the government. But there's really no guarantee that, um, you know, the government is really paying attention to these messages. And, you know, why should they? Because it's there's there's no guarantee that anything in these messages that is you know, is really, really true. Anyone can write a message. Which brings us to like the, uh, one of the major issues of, of narco messages is that it's just impossible or near impossible to kind of really figure out who's behind a narco. Message.
0: When we see a narcomantal post it usually carries some form of iconography in the group's name, but what is the iconography left behind and what's the significance of it?
1: Yeah, that's that's a good question. question. So yeah, as you mentioned, I think names are really the most clear. And that's done pretty frequently. A lot of the times, you know, if you're if you're putting a message out there, you know, you want people to know who it's from. Uh, it, it's kind of a way of of showing that you're in control of an area, so it's important that you put your the name of your criminal group on the message. So about uh, I think it was about forty five percent of narco messages last year have the name of a criminal group on them. The others are either had the name blurred out by by journalists or by the government. Um, so you know we can't really figure out what it said, or they just were left you know a threatening message and it was not signed at the end but a significant portion of these messages you know are signed by a criminal group and again you know we don't know exactly you know if a message says CGNG at the bottom there's no real way to know if it's CGNG or if it's rivals of CGNG trying to make CGNG look bad you know saying something very threatening something that's going to kind of influence the reputation negatively but apart from names logos are pretty common um, especially when we're looking at you know printed narco messages, you know it, the, these these messages that I was referring to in Guanajuato, they you know they they use the the CGNG logo, uh, you know they're, they're they're four letters with the the Mexican flag. They have that plastered on there, and then I guess one level below that in clarity or in, in um yeah in in subtlety, there's also some associated symbols that are you know associated with criminal groups, and they're not exactly logos, but um, and they're not, you know, exactly saying who the message is from, but anyone kind of in the know is going to understand, you know, what they mean. So some examples of these are um, sometimes, you know, messages from cells of, uh, you know, affiliated with the Sinaloa cartel. They'll have, you know, a tomato on on the message, and this is, you know, a reference to Sinaloa being a, a major producer of tomatoes. You know, also those can be used to kind of threaten the Sinaloa cartel. Um, you know if you they put that on the message, it's clear to everyone who reads that that you know that's that's the that's the intended um, reader of the message. A couple other ones are interesting ones are like strawberries, which are kind of a reference to Guanajuato. Um there's a particular cell in San Luis Potosí um, of the Cartel Noroeste, and they use like a ghost, like a little cute a drawing of like a, you know a ghost emoji, and that's they've they've been using that several times.
0: Oh, that's a uh, uh, fantasma hinted the fantasma if I believe that's right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, th- I think one of the funniest ones is, uh, you know, the, the sons of El Chapo, they're they commonly referred to as Los Chapitos. His men will, their men will sometimes refer to themselves as La Chapiza. And sometimes you'll see on, on narco messages signed by them, they'll have C-H-A and then like a, a picture of a pizza on it. And, you know, it's, it's just kind of, they're 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 having a little bit of fun there, but um, it's, it's essentially signing the message without signing the message. And below that level, I guess, uh, in terms of subtlety, Sometimes if, even if like the message isn't signed, you can kind of figure out who's, you know, who left it based on, on stock phrases. So a lot of cartels, they really, you know, over, over time, they just kind of use the same phrases. They tend to kind of say the same thing. Um, So one example of this is CGNG Grupo Elite, which is, it's it's the cell of CGNG, which was created for spearheading the invasion of Guanajuato. And this is a, it's a very, very major cell. It operates in central Mexico. And they have one stark stock phrase that appears in like 80% of their messaging. So like 45 out of 54 narco messages that were found in the state of Guanajuato from this group had this phrase. Um, And and the phrase was like, remember that Guanajuato has an owner. Uh, It's like El Señor Mencho, you know, very simple. And, you know, it's very clear when they say Señor Mencho, which is like a reference to, to their leader. But, you know. Even when they don't sign this message, there are a couple of messages where we're able to kind of figure out that this is this is the elite elite group of CGNG uh, because, you know, we can spot this phrase and it's, you know, it's consistent with the kind of messaging. You know, I kind of like to think of it as like the, uh, you know, the McDonald's I'm loving it slogan. You know, if everyone kind of knows what that is, even if they don't you know, see the big, big, shiny yellow letters.
0: Who are the ones leaving these messages behind? Are they members of groups or is this work being uh, outsourced somehow?
1: Yeah, that's a good question, and that's that's something that we don't know a lot about. But there there are a couple a couple instances. It's it's pretty rare. First of all, it's pretty rare that someone gets caught, um, you know, leaving a narco message because, as you say, usually it's during the night. You know, usually people find these in the morning, and they've been up for a couple hours already when they when they're found. So it's pretty rare that people get caught putting them up. And it's even rare that someone, you know, faces charges or is, is convicted. In fact, I don't know if anyone has ever faced, you know, really been convicted of leaving a narco message. But in the few instances that we have found uh, people leaving messages, people get caught. Sometimes it appears that they're just people who were contracted out, like some some you know person who kind of lives on the peripheries of the criminal group, not really you know not really a member, but you know they might do tasks for them. They might be a halcon, but they're just you know I. I my, my guess is that in a lot of cases, it's just, you know, they, they offer some guy who is willing to do anything for money, some money to go place these posters around the city. But there are other situations where, you know, after a shootout, you know, police, they'll, they'll get engaged in a shootout with with criminal members. Um, they kill the criminal members. And then in the photos you see of the shootout. There might even be like a narco message rolled up in the trunk of the car, you know, ready to place. So sometimes it seems like it is actually, um, you know, criminal members of the criminal organization, you know, albeit, you know, people pretty low on the ladder, like Sicario's hitmen. So it's certainly not, you know, people high up, but the people placing them, they're either people contracted out or, you know, low level hitmen. I you know there's certainly not people in, in, in leadership, although that it does seem to be where like the messages originate, you know. Some some lead regional commander tells his men what to write, who to threaten. But from there on, it's um, it's it's a little bit unclear. But it seems like it's usually contracted out, or it's a low level person. You know, thing. I I actually I think one more thing to add on the topic of people placing them. So I think what what I said earlier, that's certainly the case for narco banners, which are you know much larger, as we discussed. They're usually um, a little more coordinated. But you know, when we're talking about just like narco cartulinas, which are just you know paper scraps, basically. Um, we do have a lot of footage of hitmen carrying those with them. So these are like, these are smaller messages, um, usually written on marker, marker on a on a piece of cardboard um, or cardstock. And they're very frequently found like after shootouts or after hits. So, you know, the hitman will, you know, find someone he, he's driving around in his owner's motorbike. He'll find his target, shoot the target, leave a message and then speed off. So he's got that message ready. Uh, you know, it's 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 a small portable, I guess, like roll of paper. So we do know that those are are often carried around by hitmen and you know, I guess deployed by by the same hitmen after after gunfights.
0: When a narcomata has been deployed, we've also seen them accompanied by corpses or body parts. Is there any significance to that?
1: So I, I think about about 50% of narco messages are left with a body and I think the the basic reason for this is my guess is that it just, it kind of strengthens the message. It's one thing to, you know, just to leave a, you know, a a piece of cardboard, uh, you know, with a message written on it. It's another thing entirely, you know, to kidnap a rival, kill them, and then drop their body right next to the message. You know, it's essentially, it's like, it's like highlighting the message, making sure that it's seen. It shows that you're serious. That, you know, that's always a great, you know, way to understand, to realize if this is a real message or not, you know, because there's, there's nothing really stopping, you know you know say just a couple teenagers from writing a message but they're not going to go the extra route um you know to go kill someone and then leave them next to the message that's kind of an indication that you know this is you know again this is something serious as far as like the, as far as the different methods of killing or different like methods of leaving bodies there. I don't know, like you know, when we're talking about a human body, I don't know like what the if there's if there's any significance to you know whether they leave just a head or just a body. I do know that when we're when we're talking about um, pig heads, pig heads are often used to symbolize they're left next to messages, um, and they're, they're used to symbolize like that this the the victim or the target of this message was corrupt or dirty. So they're frequently used by criminal groups to threaten police officers, judges, government officials. Um, so that's one like clear telltale sign that when you see a pig head, it's usually an allegation of corruption or an accusation that this person is kind of mixed up in organized crime themselves.
0: From a surface level view, these narcometas are used to threaten individuals or rival groups. But from a researcher standpoint, these give us an insight to the conflict. Can you touch on that?
1: Yeah. So this is this is something I've, I've I've kind of wondered about a lot. There's kind of a continuum, you know, when we're talking about how much we can trust narco messages. I've spoken to some researchers who, who believe that these can't be trusted at all. That, you know, you have to like take a case by case analysis of each one to figure out if it's really from a criminal group or if it's from who it says it is. But at Borderline Beat, I, a lot of my my colleagues there have found it really helpful to follow narco messages. And, you know, don't take everything that they say at face value, because, again, these are these are the writings of, of members of organized crime, which is, you know, it's it's a it's a business where you're required to be dishonest. You know, if, if you're if you're just telling the truth, you get caught. So, you know, don't take them at, at, at stock value. There's a reason that they're trying to communicate something. So if a if a message says, you know, this was, the CSRL shot up this bar, look at how bad they are. You know, it might be true that the CSR shot that up that bar, but um, they're not just telling you this out of altruism. They're not telling. You they're not telling, making this message to to help the police or the authorities find the the culprits more because they have a sense of justice. It's all kind of playing into their game. These are propaganda machines. We have to see narco narco messages as propaganda. They're not the true statements of criminals, and if they are true, there's a reason. They have a motive for saying this. So that's that's the main, you know caveat or, or asterisks that I always put next to, to narco messages when we're, when we're discussing them. We can't use them as, as, as you know, 100% reliable sources. That being said, you know, there's a lot we can learn from them. And I think if we just ignore them, you know, and view them as as totally dishonest, I think we're missing out on an important, uh, you know, piece of, of the narco puzzle. I, I think they're, they're useful for understanding, you know, which criminal actors are in a region, I think they a lot of the times, you know, they can help understand what sort of criminal markets people are involved in. But you know, we, we always have to kind of have that, have a healthy amount of doubt and skepticism about, you know, whether what they're saying is is true or not, or what's their motive in saying this, because you're not reading what really is, you're really what you're reading what they want you to think is.
0: They are useful, for example, for Alparativa Perdica of Jalisco. While the communications they release are limited, the narcomantas they drop allow us to see what areas to enter. But on a discussion of how trustworthy they are, it does remind me of the older older playo narcomantas they would place, claiming they are there to coin the plaza and only target criminals, but we know that was not the case.
1: Yeah, that's that's an interesting point. Yeah, that's, um, I you know, I think one of the most interesting examples of of this, of what you're talking about, is is back in June of 2021, um, in in the state of Chiapas, and one day, you know, CGG posted a posted a video actually of them holding a narco message. So it's still a narco message, but it's really you know kind of a video format. And you know the basic idea of this video, uh, the basic message of it was is that we're moving into the state, you know, move aside, we're taking control now. And within a couple of days, there was a shootout in Tuxtla which is a which is a town. Um, This is a town near San Cristobal, which is really kind of a safe area. Uh, there were shootouts. Um, The son of a of an officer in the Sinaloa cartel was killed. So in that case, you know, these narco messages, they really did provide a very important subtext for understanding what was happening in the criminal environment there. So, yeah, as you say, they really are helpful sometimes for, you know, figuring out kind of what's going on on the, on the group level.
0: Well, this was not a question we repaired. I was wondering how far did this go? I can remember seeing them use as far as back as 2011, but do their use go even further? They do.
1: So this is this is sort of like a difficult question, like where do, where do these begin? But back in the back in the days of um you know when the the Colombian narco's you know there was a group called Los Pepes, and they would leave narco messages, you know something that really kind of resembled a narco message, um you know at and next to the bodies of people they had killed, people who you know they they had hired hits out on. So this is you know. 20, 20, 30 years before we started talking about it in Mexico. But I think the first narco messages in Mexico were in the mid 2000s. Dr. Philip Johnson, who's a researcher on narco messages, he says that they, the first narco banners happened shortly after that. And they were kind of like the Gulf cartel, Gulf cartel in Northeast Mexico. But it seems like the the phenomenon really started in the, in the early 1000s. And it really escalated. And unfortunately, we don't really have any consistent databases that kind of track this from the, you know, the beginning of the drug war, quote unquote, you know, to now. So we don't really have a good sense of, you know, whether there's an increase or a decrease, but it, it certainly seems that, you know, you know, they started out fairly rare in the early thousands and they kind of became, you know, the, the the most common MO, you know, every group started doing them. And, you know, now here we are with 259 unique groups left them in the last year. You know, it's, it's just they they've really kind of democratized.
0: Another question we did not prepare, but would you like to discuss your site and the project you've worked on with narcomantas?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, I could I could first I can talk about uh, so this 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 narco message set that I've been referring to. Uh, so this is a this is a set um, a set of narco messages that I collected in the open source from 2021. So starting, you know, January 1st, 2021, until you know December 29th, and just by searching keywords on both on Google, Google News, and, and Twitter, you know, moving week by week, I would search for phrases related to narco messages. So like, I would you know start like narcomanta, narcomensaje, narco cartulina, narcolona all the kind of different related terms and then once when I was sure that I had you know counted all the, the the narco messages from that time period across Mexico I would move on to the next week and I kind of did it you know manually for all, all 52 weeks of the year and in the end result was a, a I've got a large spreadsheet of around 1100 narco messages and these touch just about every state they're left by 259 different criminal groups and they offer like a really interesting insight into you know how these messages are used who's using them what are, what kind of messages are they sending um so that's the, the the data set that i keep on referring to at some point i'm going to publish it um you know open it online but i i just Frankly, I just, I'm just working on a couple other projects right now, which is kind of pushed to the back burner. But we at Borderland Beat, we've been using it to write our articles. You know, it can be helpful to provide like an extra layer of context when you're writing about a turf war in a region. And then I, I can talk about Borderland Beat as well. So I, I'm a writer. I, I write for Borderland Beat. And this is uh, where we're a news blog, a narco blog that has been writing on the drug war since the since the late thousands. So we're the longest running English news source. And we, we try to cover... Uh, We kind of cover trends, day-to-day things that are happening in the drug war. And it's all volunteer run, so no one gets paid. It's all kind of driven by passion. But, you know, feel free to check us out at borderlandbeat.com.
0: We may be good here. Do you have anything else you'd like to say or promote?
1: You know, I suppose you could tell them you could follow me on Twitter at um, WassoBB. I think that's it.
0: This was great. Seriously, thank you.
1: Hey, this is a pleasure talking
0: obscuro for more
1: on twitter at the handle @latamobscuro for support we've set up a patreon to help with production costs and future equipment at the link in the description thank you to the following patreon members
0: Otomeum, Mono, Emilio, me, Coons, and drift
1: thank you for listening